Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Beginning at the 14th verse, Matthew chapter 25, at verse 14, we'll read through 30. This is a parable that Jesus gives. Now keep in mind, as we begin reading, all of this is in response to a question that the disciples asked the Lord all the way back in the early portion of chapter 24, what will be the signs of your coming? That's got to be in the back of your mind. As we read this and as I speak about it this evening, this is a part of the answer. He tells them the answer in a a parable form, beginning at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents, and likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know thee, that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast that is thine. Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I have sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming 
I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was John Greenleaf Whittier, the poet, that said, For all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been. Indeed, those are sad words, what might have been. Had we properly used that which we had been given. A contractor called his son-in-law to him, who was working for him, and said to his son-in-law, I'm going to go overseas for an extended trip. While I'm going, I want you to spare no expense but to build the best house that you can conceive of. And the man went away and the son-in-law began to build the house. But he began to think, now I can save some money if I don't put the most expensive materials or the amount of materials into the foundation and nobody will ever see it. In the attic, I can use second-rate materials because nobody will ever know that. In the subflooring, on he went his thoughts as to how I can present a beautiful home and save all of this money by using inferior materials where it will never be seen. And he did. His father-in-law came home and asked to see the house that he had built. He looked it over, and it was indeed magnificent. All that could be seen was as it ought to be. Of course, he couldn't see that which was hidden. And he turned to his son-in-law and said, I'm giving you the house that's yours, my gift. He cheated himself. That's the way it is in life when we try to shortchange God in what we give him. We end up the loser. This whole parable is about working for the Lord. It speaks of working. The parable of the virgin spoke of waiting. But this one speaks of working, a responsibility that we have here upon earth to work 
until Jesus comes. Somehow or other, we have the idea that once one becomes a Christian, then is the time to simply enjoy all the things of life and really do nothing in return. To sing the old Negro spiritual, good room, plenty good room, good room in my Father's kingdom, just choose your seat and sit down. But nowhere do we find in the Lord's scripture a charge like that to us, but that we are to take that which we have been given and use it until Jesus comes. I want to go to 2 Thessalonians for a moment, to a passage of scripture that Paul gave in talking to the church at Thessalonica in the third chapter, beginning at verse 10, he says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. You see, they had all things common in the early history of the church. But there was a group of people who thought, well, since I can get my food and my clothing and my housing from the common storehouse, the common treasury of the church, I don't need to work. I'll feed off the others. And Paul had to make it plain, you loafers. If you're not going to work, neither are you going to eat. And I think the parallel we will see tonight in this parable is in the spiritual terms that if we're not going to work for the kingdom of God, we're going to discover that we don't have much to show once we get into it. But we're not going to receive except to the degree that we have worked. The more our labor is put into God's kingdom, the more we're going to get out of it from God's blessing. Verse 11 of 2 Thessalonians 3. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. He gives them the command to work. There is a, a principle called the 80-20 principle, which can be pretty well borne out by anybody's study, and that is that 80% of the work in the church is done by 20% of the people. The 80% are spectators. The 20% are laborers. It is also pretty well borne out nationwide that 80% of the giving in the church comes from 20% of the people. This is a, a pattern that is pretty well established 
So Jesus gives a parable to tell them their responsibility until that time comes. What are we to do? He says that there was a man who made a journey into a far country. But before he left, he called his servants. And he told the servants that he was going away for an extended period of time. And he was going to give the power of attorney over a certain amount of goods to his servants. The one man he gave five talents. That was a weight of money, and it differs depending upon whether it's gold or silver. But it was a sum of money that uh, the parable uses that the man is responsible for until his Lord comes. Another man was giving two measures of money, and the third man was giving one, was given one. They all were given certain amounts based upon their abilities. And their charge was that they were to use this money until he returns. Every Christian without fail has an assignment from God. Now hear me. There is not one person in this congregation who is a Christian, but God has been given a responsibility from God. You have your talent. I have mine. And think in terms of a talent as being the assignment as a school teacher, we'll oftentimes give different assignments to different kids based upon their capability of handling the responsibility. So God gives to us the same type of thing. He is not going to make all of us preachers. He's not going to give the ability to all of us to play the piano or the organ. He certainly left that out of what he wanted to give me. He is going to give to some of us the ability to teach. And we have some very talented teaching people in our church who study and prepare themselves to teach us the scriptures. There are others of you who are given the ability of intercessory prayer. When God will hear you, probably better than he will hear anybody else because you have that capability given to you. Some of you can visit and get through to the lost better than others. We have our talent. Our problem is in knowing what it is. And the reason we oftentimes don't know what it is is because we haven't searched it out. And we want to assume that that's not what God called us to do. Every Christian is called to serve. 
That doesn't mean everybody can visit. That doesn't mean everybody can pray in public. That doesn't mean everybody can teach or everybody can preach or play a musical instrument or sing. But those who can do those things certainly are expected to perform according to their ability within the church, within the service of God's kingdom. There are other abilities. That are given, whatever they might be. But Luke 4, or chapter 12, verse 48, the Lord says, To whom much is given, of him much is required. Do you have the ability? God requires you to use it. Some of you are extremely good in the kitchen. That's your talent. Some of you are good at standing here before these microphones and singing. That's your talent. Probably some of you can preach if you just realize you had that talent. He assigns our responsibilities according to our abilities to handle. Now, Let's look at the reaction. Verse 16 and forward. The man who was given five talents took his responsibility seriously and he went out and he worked with that and, and by the time his master came back he had doubled it. The man who was given two was just as hardworking, just as diligent, but he didn't have the capabilities of handling more than two. But he did it well. You see, we are not asked to do more than our abilities. We are just simply asked to use our abilities well. That we have. But there was one man who was only given one. The Lord figured that's all he can handle. And the Lord must have figured, well, he couldn't even handle it. He got scared and thought, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And he went out and took his talent and dug a hole in the ground and buried it. Because he was afraid that he couldn't do that. And he didn't want to lose it. I remember a young girl, my early pastor, who had a beautiful voice. You know, I couldn't get her to sing in church at all. Before I left that church, I discovered something. That girl no longer could sing. She had buried in the ground so long that she no longer had the ability. When one hides his talents under a bushel for fear that he might lose what capability he has or for fear that somebody might make fun of him or he just can't quite do this, that, or the other, he may discover that he has nothing left 
when it comes time for reckoning. And the reckoning does come, and that's exactly what the Lord deals with in verse 19 and following. After a long time, the Lord returned. This parallels the coming of the, the Lord. When the Lord comes back, the first thing he's going to do is say to his church, there is a day of reckoning. Let's see what you've done with what I gave you. I want to hear from you. Tell me, what did you do with what I gave you? The one man came up and showed him what he had obtained. He now had ten talents. He only started out with five. And the Lord called him a faithful servant who had handled well that which he had been given. The second man came with his two talents and showed that he now had four and the Lord equally gave him praise for using well what he had been given. Call him my good faithful servant and said to both of these servants, I will make you rulers over many things. He said, enter the joy of the Lord. We talked about joy in Sunday school class this morning. Oftentimes we don't find serving the Lord joyful. I think that's a terrible shame. We really cannot find joy in serving the Lord. The times that I have been the happiest in my life are the times that I have been doing something that I thought was for the Lord. And I have discovered the times in my life that I have been unhappy, not joyful, not enjoying life, not being full of energy and bubbling over and exciting and all of those things, were those times in my life that I was not serving the Lord. A Christian will find joy in the Lord's service, and if a Christian does not do the Lord's service, he will find himself most miserable. I think this one man who came and took the one talent and said, Lord, I was afraid, and therefore I buried it, and I didn't use it, spent this whole time being fearful and not enjoying life because he was not using what the Lord had given The Lord praised the two men and he condemned the one man. He said to the two, you have been faithful over just a little, not much, just a little. But because of your faithfulness, I'll give you responsibilities over great things, over a lot of things. It ought to be a joy to serve the Lord. 
The third man found no joy in his service. All he did was stand before the Lord and begin to offer excuses. You know, verse 24 is a hard verse when you first look at it. Because he starts criticizing the Lord. And the man says, I know you're a hard master. You're a hard man. Why, you even reap where you haven't sown and you gather where you haven't uh, straw. That is, you haven't tried to get the chaff and the straw away from the wheat. You haven't done that. That still bothers me, and I'm not sure that I fully comprehend what this really is saying. But I realize, look, the Lord sends out people to sow the seed. The Lord will send out reapers. The Lord is the one who owes. He charges other people to do the sowing and the reaping. We are the sowers and we are the reapers in the terms I think that this verse is talking about. This simply was an effort on the part of the third man to put the blame for his failure on the Lord. And do you know that's what we do time and time again? We fail, and who's responsible? God's responsible, not me. I did everything right. God, you should have done things differently. That's the way I see this third man responding. Let's put the blame on the Lord. After all, he must have done it, not me. But the blame is not the Lord's. The blame is the man. And he said, well, if that's the way you think about it, why didn't you at least put it in the bank and let it draw interest? He didn't even do that. He took that talent away from the man who wouldn't use it and gave it to one of the men that would do something with it. Paul said something in 1 Corinthians that's very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Let me go back to verse 12. Start there. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. He's been talking about the building of a foundation and what goes on the foundation. And he says now in verse 12 that if any man builds on this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, Wood, hay, stubble. Can you see a deterioration in what is built from the most precious to the most uh, lack of uh, value? From gold to stubble. Somewhere in those seven words will be found your life and mine. We're building, we're doing something with our life that could be described as so valuable that the word gold would have to be used, or less valuable silver or just precious stones. 
or wood, maybe. Or maybe it's only hay. Let's hope that we're not building with stubble. But here's the point. Every man's work, verse 13, shall be unveiled, made manifest, King James says. Everybody's work will be revealed. What you have done with your life is on record. What I have done. That day, when God, when the Lord, Jesus, I should say, calls a reckoning, I'm going to have to stand before him and explain my life and see the pressure, the test that God's going to put upon my record to find out if it'll stand the fire. And if it's made out of stubble, it'll be quickly vanished. That's the description of my labors. Or hay, or wood. It'll be burned up because it has not been filled with things that have any value that are lasting. It can be consumed. But if we have labored to put a, with our talents into the kingdom of God, things made out of precious stone or silver or gold, they're going to be there and they'll stand the test. And God is going to say that we are a good and faithful servant. We can enter into his joy. That's going to happen when the Lord returns. But there will be an accounting of our lives, what we have done. I've heard people say over and over again, I'm just going to be happy to get to heaven. Listen, that is a mighty low aiming point. When our aim ought to be to do whatever we can do to glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To expend our energies in such a way that we will, as a reward for our life, hear the Lord say, well done. I don't want to stand before him and hang my head in shame and have him look down at me and say to me, you wasteful servant. You wasteful servant. We have time to talk a little bit more about our rewards because we will be rewarded for our faithfulness. And we will lose rewards for our unfaithfulness. Our obligation is to lift the Lord 
take what he has given us or ask for him over. And don't think that we have less. Take what we have. Take what we can do and use it to glorify God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.